of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus. the kids if you need to know where they're going but let us pray for our Sunday school teachers as they teach God's word and pour into our children may God water the seeds that are planted awesome all right my name is Pastor Nate and if you're visiting us for the first time or you're new please let us know that you're here with us by filling out one of our connection cards and that would be a great way for us to be able to connect with you. But if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to Acts chapter 2. As we continue in our little series, just refreshing what we uh, hold to as a church, our pulpit table square. Last week we took a look at pulpit and why do we preach the word? And we want to preach the word because we want lives to be transformed. And we want God to use that and he does use that. And he does make a promise in Isaiah that his word will go forth and not return in vain. But as we continue in that, we'll be looking at table, which is the church and community and what it means to be a community. And we're going to be looking at this question of what is Christian community? Why do we need Christian community, more importantly? StatsCan released a study just last year talking about Canada's quality of life framework. In short, 13% of people ages 15 and older report that they always or often feel lonely, which is a large number of people from 15 all the way up. I'm going to break it down a little bit about age brackets because for me, I actually found it very fascinating. And I, I think at some point I'm going to actually go in and look at more of the study results. But what is interesting is that in the past two years hasn't helped at all in this case. In fact, the largest group that felt lonely were 15 to 24, with 23%. The percentage of people who reported always or often feeling lonely, as I said, were the 15 to 24 age bracket, which was 23%, 25 to 34, which is 15%, 35 to 44, which is 10%, which, you know, look at me, I'm, we're doing pretty good. Uh, 55 to 54, which is 10%, 55 to 64, which is 10. And here's something interesting, 65 to 74 age bracket was only 9%. 75 and older was 14%. And those stats is even, gets even higher for women who are more likely to have higher levels of loneliness than men. That doesn't even surprise me. You are more likely to have poor mental health, least likely to be satisfied in life. Community is important. Our world knows that. But what we want to look at is what God's word says about Christian community and why that is important. But on a side note, if you struggle with mental health, I must say the last thing you should do is isolate yourself 
from community. But more importantly, there's a reason why the Bible explicitly states not to neglect meeting together. So community is important, clearly. And as I said, the world has come into a stark reality of what isolation does to an individual. The Bible talks about community differently, though, than how our world uh, talks about community. Our world talks about community in terms of people of similarities, uh, similar hobbies, or, or whatever it may be. But God's word comes and goes a little bit deeper. It makes it a little stronger, a lot stronger. Because the Bible, especially the New Testament in particular, talks a lot about the importance of community. And if you and I were to just do a simple word search, a word study, or a phrase study, when we looked at those two phrases, each other or one another, we would see a beautiful picture of what true Christian community looks like. We'd also see why it's important for all of us to be in community with one another. The redemptive work of Jesus Christ and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit showing and working in individuals of a local church as they are united and, and practice hospitality, as they are devoted to one another and are edifying one another together. So what is Christian community? What makes it different from whatever else is defined as community? And if you're a disciple of Jesus... Why do you need Christian community? So what is community and why do we need it? If you have your Bibles, Acts 2, 42, 47 to 47 gives us this brief glimpse into a concise answer into those two questions. As I said, the Bible has a lot to say about what community is and what it looks like. But let us open God's word together to Acts 2, 42 to 47. The word of the Lord says this. And they, the Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come and to gather in this way. We come from all different types of weeks, good weeks, bad weeks, but in all of it, we come to have our eyes lifted back up to you, to have ourselves reoriented to who you are, to focus on you, to make much of you today. So Lord, as we continue in worship, as we continue in the worship of your word being preached, I pray that we would worship in a way that makes much of you, that we would listen as an act of worship, that your word is preached as an act of worship. And Lord, there are many churches that are gathering who have been doing the same things that we've been doing this Sunday here in London, Lord, who are coming and gathering together to sing songs, to hear your word preached, to hear your word read, to, to be, for you to be made much of. And Lord, specifically, I think of Chelsea Green and Pastor Peter there. And Lord, I pray that you give him and the leaders wisdom as they seek to shepherd the flock that you've entrusted to them, that you would bless them, that you would keep them as they seek to be faithful. 
May you use your church here in London, Knollwood and Chelsea Green and all gospel preaching churches, Lord, to make much of yourself, to grow your kingdom, to call people to yourself. And amen. What is Christian community? In verse 42, right off the bat, we see that Christian community is devoted to Jesus and his cause. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. We see that right off the bat. Here in this one sentence, we see what it is to be part of a church life together and what is the main thing that is needed in Christian community, but also, more importantly, in Christian discipleship. They came together and they devoted themselves to what? To the teachings of the apostles, to what God's word has to say, and to fellowship with one another. Discipleship isn't an option in, optional in the Christian life, and it starts here with God's people gathering together to open the word and to have fellowship with one another and to pray with one another. One of the greatest things I love is our members' meetings when we gather together as people of this church and we pray together. Well, I have this ongoing argument with some of my elders. I don't care about the business part <laughs> at all. <laughs> but it's a great blessing to be able to come together and to pray together. There is a central difference of what a Christian community is. They are disciples. They are Christ learners who are seeking to grow in Christ's likeness together. And part of that is devoting themselves to God's word and to prayer. But what does that look like, that fellowship aspect? We see that in verse 43 as the Christian community anticipates God's supernatural work. The same God that was working among the early church is something... Is, is the same God who is working amongst us even now. One of the greatest blessings I have as being a pastor is having the front row seat to seeing what God is doing in people's lives. And if you're in community to one another, you can actually hear those stories and those accounts of how God is working. As I see him growing and stretching those as people seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ. I think in the church, we often get apathetic to God's work, or we don't see it, or we get disappointed more. We begin to think that God won't or can't or does anything. But a Christian community anticipates God's supernatural work. I've been rebuked about this quite often, because as I've said before, one of those main sins that I struggle with is that cynicism, that pessimism where we have these blinders on, and the only thing that you seem to see is just bad. But God is working. Amen. And he's always working. And let me tell you, even here in this church, he's working. As I see uh, young men who are leading our children, as I see Sunday school workers, we have a baptism class that has just happened with a, hopefully a baptism service. God is still doing great miracles of bringing life to what was dead. And he still is now, and he's still calling people. The Christian community anticipates God's supernatural work. As we see, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I think sometimes we look at this passage and go, oh, I don't see anybody like, who is paralyzed walking again. No, we see on a regular basis the greatest miracle of all, what was dead being made life again. That is an amazing thing. 
and we can pray together that God would open hearts to do what he is doing and we get to participate in that plan. These things guide a lot of why we need Christian community. If a, Christ, if a church family isn't devoted to Jesus and his cause, they won't do the other things that follow. Or at best, it will be done with the wrong motives. If you're a disciple of Jesus, why do you need Christian community, though? If a Christian community is one that is devoted themselves to Jesus and his cause, is, is, is anticipating God doing great and supernatural work, why do you need it still? In verse 44, we see how they all, all who believed were together and had all things in common. A Christian community has a strong commitment to one another. That is one of the reasons why we need Christian community. All who believed were together. This is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4, verse 3, when he says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And this can happen because of that first step of devoting themselves to being disciples of Jesus Christ. As they spend time in God's word, as they spend time in prayer, the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us and allowing us to be able to give up of ourselves and to focus our attention on other people. I remember one of the pieces of advice that a friend of mine gave to me when I was first married, when I was getting married in our, in our bachelor party thing. And he said, you never really understand how selfish you are until you get married. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I didn't know that until like maybe day two. <laughs> right? And then I had children. And then you say it again, I really don't know how selfish I am until that happened. We all struggle with selfishness. But the work of the Holy Spirit as we spend time in his word together, as we spend time in prayer together, creates a strong commitment to one another. What comes out of that is an understanding that as a Christian, you are needed and you are needy. There's not one of us who is not needy and there's not one of us who's not needed. That's what God has done. You are needed. It is the community that you are, it's within the community that you are able to use the gifts that God has given you for the edification of the body of Christ. And you are needy because you need other people. This is only possible because of who individuals are in Christ and God working in the hearts of his people as they gather together in community and God brings unity and mutual care. We see it in Galatians 5 verses 22 to 23. We see that when the Holy Spirit indwells his people, they show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If each individual within the community has that, the community will have that. And we will see a community that is strongly committed to each other, practicing those one another's that we see in the Bible. Tim Challies has a great article talking about all of the one another's in, in the Bible. And we can have unity amid diversity because we have the gospel in common, because of what God has done in our hearts. 
And we look at passages like Ephesians 1, to 23, the church is taught as the body of Christ here on earth. If you are a Christian, you are a different part of that body within the local church. And as Ephesians 4 says, we are, in, uh, we are intricately knitted together. And that means that as much as we would like to think that we are really super independent people, right? We've, if you've ever seen a toddler who refuses help in getting changed, they think they're independent. And then they get out of their room and they go, oh, that's what independence looks like. As much as we think we're interdependent, we are intradependent. We are dependent upon each other. All of our spiritual gifts are like eyes and ears and hands and feet that each play their part in the body's growth and mission. And as we seek to be disciples, faithful disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ, we need all the parts of the body together working together. As one person put it this way, Barnabas Piper, he said, there's no such thing as a part-time member of the body. Imagine you only had a hand that you only used half the time. Or an ear. I don't know how you would just use one ear at a time, but even an ear. But they all had all things in common, as Acts 2 says. So I want to be clear here. This isn't talking about some sort of communalism of property. So please don't go off and sell everything you have. But in Acts 2, 43, we see that Christians had their own homes. But it does mean that they weren't afraid to sell their property to meet the needs of other people. They understood, as what Pastor Matt said in his prayer, that all that we have is a gift from God. Everything. You see that in Acts 5, verse 4, when Ananias and Sapphira and other places, well, they're a negative example, but they had property themselves. The Holy Spirit unites us together and shows us that we are needy and that we are needed. It is also a matter of identity that we can be committed to one another so strongly. When our identity is in Christ, it unites us together. It helps us to bear with one another. I remember as a younger, my sisters seem to keep bringing this up, and I don't know why, but my sisters and I would fight. And if you have siblings and you say you never fought, you're lying. <laughs> um, but let me tell you, on the playground, we could be fighting like cats and dogs that morning on the, into the car. And we could be at the, ends rope, the, the end of the rope with one another. But I was the older of the four, of us four, and if you bullied one of them, that's when I would step in. Why? Because we were family. Because we had a common identity. Our family bonds overcame whatever petty things that we were arguing about before, which usually had to do with a computer or a TV or something like that. Our family bonds overcame those petty things that we were arguing about. If our identity is in Christ, which for all of those who are in Christ has that same identity, we will be united together. It doesn't mean we won't have fights. 
It won't mean that we won't get annoyed by somebody else. It won't mean that we won't be offended by what somebody else says, but it will mean that we will be committed to one another because of our common identity, which is in Christ. Most of our world puts community in commonality, like age or hobbies or whatever, or jobs. But when we have repented of our sin and we are resting in Christ, we are now adopted into a new family. We are Christ and we can be united in a way that this world will look at us and wonder how in the world is it possible that there can be a church of any size of different generations and ethnicities coming together when all we see in our world is animosity between all of those. It's because of what Christ has done. In what other place can we celebrate the uniqueness of each individual? A Christian community has a strong commitment to one another. In verse 45, we see, and they were selling their possessions and belonging and, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. A Christian community is generously meets needs. As the Holy Spirit indwells Christ's people, and as they are in community together, they are unified in the Spirit to the point that they each are sensitive to the physical needs of others, and they voluntarily give of their things. There's an outpouring of the generosity that we have within the community, within the Christian community, because we are blown away by the generosity that our Lord and Savior has done for us. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Philippians 2 says he stepped down from his throne. He gave up everything for us. Yet some of, uh, some of the time we're like, no, I need to hold on to that 20 bucks so that, I, you know, I don't know, I need to go to Starbucks, which is probably more like 40 bucks now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hedge it. <laughs> There's an outpouring of generosity that just doesn't come on its own. It comes as we realize more and more what Christ has done for us. And we need the community of believers to come around inside of each other and open the Bible and be amazed by what God has done over and over again. I'm not saying you don't sacrifice paying your bills in order to help somebody else, okay? But I am saying we have generosity because of what Christ's generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. As he continues in verse 15, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. But verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he did what? He became poor. For my sake, for your sake, so that in my own poverty, I might be rich. The community and the church in Jerusalem can act this way, what we see in Acts 2, 
because they haven't elevated the gift above the giver of gifts. And we can sacrifice our comfortable life for those in need because we have a Savior who exemplified that for us. And we can do that because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. And we do that by spending time in God's Word together and having fellowship with one another. It is very hard to know people's needs if you don't know them. So when I hear stories about people who give up some grocery money, the extra grocery money to give to someone more in need, or people of this church lending out their cars to people who need it, or when I hear about people of this church offering to babysit kids so that the couple can have a, go on a date, or when I hear about people of this church sacrificing time to give a family a break during hardships, or the emails or text messages I get about, hey, I would like to be a blessing to so-and-so. How can I do that? Or provide meals when they're sick or just needing a break. Or when people invite someone to stay in their home. Or as a church, being able to help those in our family with rent or mortgage payments through our benevolent funds that come from your generosity. I go, yes! That's what we're talking about. And we can only do that because of the working of the Holy Spirit within us. So let us continue to bask in the wonder of what Christ has done for us. And may his generosity that he has shown us so lavishly be the basis of our own generosity to one another. This is the same generosity that allows us to worship through tithes and offerings. A Christian community generously meets needs. In verse 46, Luke continues on. He says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their home, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. A Christian community has fellowship together and laughter. It's like laughing? No, there should be part of our fellowship together. We attended the, they attended the temple together. Notice that the Christian community is more than just Sunday. But it also means there's no neglect of the purposeful gathering of Sundays, as we talked about last week. Remember that the qualifying sentence to how this works out is verse 42, as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The Holy Spirit worked in each individual as they corporately and individually devoted themselves to the teaching and to prayer. And the outpouring of that is that they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This is the sharing of a common meal together in the homes of other fellow believers. They not only met together to discuss, to learn, to, to be disciples and to praise God, but they also gathered for worship, fellowship and for laughter. This was the visible outcome of what the Holy Spirit was doing in each life as they spent time studying God's word together and in prayer. And that's why this summer, we're going to be taking time. I think it's every other week, we'll be taking time to be together as a church after our worship service. It's been a long two, three years, hasn't it? I don't know about you, but I'm craving some fellowship and some laughter. We'll be having fellowship times starting today uh, at the nobles, who are sitting right there. So if you're new and you don't know the nobles, make sure you talk to them, because I'm not going to say the address out here. 
but together for a time of worship for fellowship and laughter. This is always also why we have fellowship times after every service. That's why we built our cafe, so that we can gather together, talk, get to know each other, and be able to say those words, how can I pray for you? Or what are you learning about who God is as you spend time in his word? The Christian community has fellowship and laughter. In verse 47, we see praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. The Christian community sees God at work together. If the Holy Spirit is present in the true Christian community, we can, be, we can expect God to do something. Why do we gather together, open God's word together, praise God together, pray together? All of these are preparing our hearts to see what God will do and work in our hearts to be used by God. The Holy Spirit works in and through the community to bring people to himself and to grow his church. And the Spirit just doesn't bring spiritual growth within each one of us, but also grows Christ's church. And Christian community sees God at work together as we go out as faithful disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ, as we pray together about our neighbors and our family members who don't know Jesus, and we can come together and praise God for when he does work in and through those people's lives. Over this past year, I've been kicked in in the butt with God's kind goodness as people grow in Christ. With a baptism service later in June, as I feel the difference of God working in each life, I look out at the cafe after the service and see God working as I see people interacting. I saw it today as we were worshiping, as, as somebody older was caring and dancing with a younger child. I went, yeah, that's what it's about. As Brian Chappell said, the Spirit continued to testify through the church to the grace of God and Jesus, bringing about growth in love and in numbers. The grace of God was fruitful and effective, and we see God taking the initiative to spread his grace to ever-expanding numbers of people, even in the face of hostility. See, one of the joys of being able to gather together is to talk about what God is doing. How you've seen God at work. You can do that and you can't do that if you aren't gathering together in community. And I understand that there are health issues that keep you from being with the people of God. I understand that. But if in your heart, you know that you can be here and you are missing out on those beautiful stories and relationships. And as your pastor, in love and for your good, I pray that you would actively pray about your motives. Please pray about this and look into God's word and see what it says. Because quite frankly, if you call Noah your home, if you call Noah your community, and you haven't been here, we miss you and we love you and we want to see you.
So please pray about this. Because you are needy and you are needed. Don't stay away any longer. And if you can be here, please be here. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I think I said this before, but I've been praying very purposely over the last few years, couple years, that if you are comfortable sitting at home, that you won't be. And I pray that God answers that prayer. God has and is doing great things. I don't want to, I don't want you to just hear about it in some newsletter. I want you to see it. But what they did together is they praised God. That is the outcome of knowing the gospel, that Christ died for our sins and that he rose again. Should it not be the outcome when I realize more and more what God has done for us, what 2 Corinthians said, the passage we just read? Should it not be praise in all circumstances? What comes with true revival is a desire to spend more, much time in worship and not just singing, but all parts of worship. In God's word and songs that exalt Christ and tithing and baptisms and communion. And as the people gathered together, they had all favor with all people, meaning they simply were not jerks. If I'm going to sum it up and modernize it. But we also know that in Acts, it doesn't last very long because the gospel is a stumbling block. And as the gospel was continued to be proclaimed, the persecution increased in the church. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The church belongs to one person and one person only, Jesus. He is the only one who by his blood purchased our wretched souls. He is the only one who shed his blood for his people. He alone saves all those who rest in him, who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and repent of their sins. Jesus is the one who sovereignly builds his church. God is sovereign in salvation, and God alone can change a human heart and enable them to have true repentance and faith. Essentially, that one sentence tells you and me, especially me, that the kingdom is not dependent on you or me. And we can seek to be faithful disciples and rest in Christ because God is the one who will build his kingdom. But also, as a true Christian community, we go out declaring and proclaiming, look at what God has done. So what do we do with all of this? Why do we need Christian community? Because... God not only calls you to himself, but into a community that is being shaped by the Holy Spirit as they spend time together in God's word and in prayer. It's in Christian community that is devoted to Christ and his cause and anticipates God's supernatural work, that there will be a community that has a strong commitment to one another, that generously meets the needs of each other, has fellowship and laughter together, and sees God at work together. Simply, you and I are part of the body of Christ. And there's no such thing as a part-time member of the body. And each part of the body is needed, and each part of the body needs to be attached to the body in order for it to thrive. What happens if you were to cut off your finger? Outside of it being hurt, hurting a lot. The finger that you just shevered dies. 
It can't live outside of being attached to the body. The Bible says that for those who repent and believe in the gospel, that Christ died for our sins and that he rose again, God is our adoptive father and that we are all spiritual siblings in God's household. And it's fantastic as we look out on a Sunday and see all of those different generations and ethnicities and and genders all coming together as mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers, sons and daughters, and families aren't meant to be separated. Healthy families talk. They laugh together. They cry together. Sometimes they fight. They help each other. We're able to be a church and community because of what God has done. The church is taught as the body of Christ here on earth. And if we are a Christian, you are a different part of the body within a local church. We are intricately knitted together. We are interdependent upon one another. Our community is also a, a, a part of our witness to this world. We can do what we can do, practice all the one another, showing something that is countercultural because of what God has done in our lives. So we can go out and proclaim why we can do that because of what God has done. I can give up of my things because I have the greatest gift ever. I can bear with that brother or that sister in the Lord who uh, rubs me wrong because I have an understanding of how I've offended my own Lord and Savior and how he bears with me. I can love someone who is difficult to love because Jesus loved me. We can be a church and community because of what God has done. We are the body of Christ gathered in community, and it is a beautiful display of the gospel. We have not only been called to him, but into a community, and that community is of those who have been redeemed and sealed through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. The foundation of the community that we see within the Bible is what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That's what makes it unique. That's why we're not a club. That's why your tithes and your offerings aren't a membership payment. They're an act of worship. It's why I can sacrifice a little bit of my comfortability to see my brother and sister make sure that they have food on the table because of what Christ has done for me. Noah seeks to not only be a church gathered but the overflow of that is to be a church and community, and not just any type of community based upon fleeting things, but a community that is founded on the gospel, and that changes everything. And if you have been coming to know it and have sought to connect, I encourage you to do that. You can do that through partnering with us and learning what it means to do that through our Next Steps class, which we have starting up. We seek to be encouraged, we seek to, to encourage true Christian community through our Sunday worship gatherings, but also through our discipleship groups and our community groups, through our after-service prayer. So join one of those. And we intend, we meet intentionally and in community for prayer and the studying of God's word. And come into fellowship times that are starting this week, as I was mentioning. 
at the Nobles House. Oh, <laughs> it's, the address is on there. <laughs> Google it. Stay after the fellowship for service, for fellowship. And let's be a true Christian community because God not only calls us to himself, but into a community. There's no such thing as a lone wolf within the Bible. Even the Apostle Paul had people who walked with him and cared for him. Remember those statistics? We all need community. But there's something very different with true Christian community. A Christian community is devoted to Jesus and his cause, and that is what makes it different. Something that was interesting about the, the, uh, the statistics was I was having a conversation with one of our elders this past week, and I was just talking to him about the statistic, and he kind of paused, and he kind of looked at me. He's like, well, that's very interesting. And I didn't know what the next statement was going to be. His next statement was, well, that gives us a great opportunity to reach out to the younger. And I was like, yeah, Titus 2. Where the older are commanded to pour into the younger. To be a Christian is to be a disciple. So part of the community, the Christian community, is discipleship. And there are many young men and women who need spiritual fathers and mothers. God not only calls us to himself, but into community that is being shaped by the Holy Spirit as they spend time together in God's word and in prayer. So join us today at the Nobles for a barbecue as we seek to be true Christian, a true Christian community. Talk to Dave in April if you want to bring something. Partner with us as a church as we seek to be true Christian, a true Christian, Christian community. Learn more about what that means to be part of Knollwood as a Christian community. And I encourage you to take that Next Steps class, which is in June 14 and 21. But in all, in all of this, why do we need Christian community? Because God not only calls you to himself, but into a community that is being shaped by the Holy Spirit as they spend time together in God's word and in prayer. Let us continue to worship our awesome God together. Father, we thank you so much for community. God, I thank you.